0: My wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're taking as our theme, Christ and the moral law in the third millennium. And today we're going to be asking, was the Old Testament all that legalistic? Today our co-host is once again Eric Horn. Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal
1: Seventh Day Adventist Church. Welcome to you again Eric. Gary uh, it's wonderful to be here. Beautiful day. Um, enjoying the weather. It's fantastic.
0: It, it, it really is something absolutely fantastic. Tell me we've just come off a long weekend here in South Oz. What did you do for the long weekend?
1: Oh we had a great time. We left on Friday and we went camping actually at a place called Membro Creek. That's about 30 kilometres past Port Pirie and you wouldn't even and I was there, you, you turn off the highway to the right and travel down there a little way, and then you come to a national park, and yeah, there's camping spots in there. There's showers and toilets. You've got to have a permit to get in through the park, and yeah. you've got a book to go there. There's one cabin which Aaron and I grabbed because uh, the days of sleeping in a tent are a bit So past you mean us. you
0: left all those little grandkids outside uh, in the cold, <laughs> and you hadn't pinched the good bed. Oh,
1: they loved it. They loved the tent and being outside. They had a, and you know what? There's a lot of wildlife there. Yeah, there were kookaburras and there was uh, we saw some emus and kangaroos but we also saw lace monitors and uh, oh, we saw about What's seven, a, What is a lace monitor? A lace monitor is a great big lizard, okay. uh, very big actually and uh, we saw about seven or eight of them in those two days we were there and they'd come right through the campground and uh, oh the kids were thrilled and followed them around And oh,
0: That's wonderful. fantastic, I know yeah. I, I, I this last weekend we went down to the York Peninsula mm. uh, we've got uh, uh, relations who have got a A a little shack down there, and it was fantastic to just Mm -hmm. to be able to uh, spend just a couple of days away, uh, just myself and my wife. And uh, you know, we felt incredibly blessed. We did a lot of long walks together, walking along the beach. It was a little bit chilly, but hey, this time of the year, it's wonderful to have that autumn weather uh, starting to impact us, isn't it?
1: Well, the best thing about it, Pastor Gary, was there was no electricity there. Uh, The cabin had a little a little light that ran on solar, but there was no electricity. So yeah. Had to have a quiet time, it was great. Well,
0: I hope. Does that mean you didn't have the internet either?
1: No, I had withdrawal symptoms. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, no. Eric. Now, look, it's also absolutely fantastic to have with us uh, Pastor David Fletcher. Now, David uh, actually leads Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander ministries here in South Oz. Now, it's really fantastic. Uh, welcome, David. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, great to be here, Pastor Gary. Yes. Yeah. Tell us something. What's your passion in ministry? I, I think uh, passion is um, seeing lives changed. I think that's what
2: gets gets me excited. Uh, seeing the work of the Holy
0: Spirit in people's lives. It, it it really does. Doesn't it? You know, the very moment you turn around and you sort of see the changes, uh, the, the the corners, so many people turn. Uh, it, it's one of the things. It's one of the real rewards I find in uh, uh, in ministry. Now, look we kind of come to our uh, we're going to come back to you in a minute uh David uh, because Our good news segment today was something that I actually read in uh, the South Pacific Record. Now, the South Pacific Record is uh, the uh, denominational journal of the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, here in uh, Australia and New Zealand, and uh, it concerned uh, Mamoraffa College. Now, we're going to come, and I'm going to ask David some questions on this in just a moment, but the article was entitled Mamoraffa College Reopens After Closure Due to COVID Restrictions. One year, the article says, after being forced to close due to COVID-19, Mamarafa College has finally welcomed students back into its classrooms. The Government of Western Australia has imposed regional borders within its state to ensure that remote, vulnerable Indigenous communities were not exposed to coronavirus. This, in addition to the state border closures, has meant that students have not been able to attend the college physically. During the closures, workbooks were posted out to students, but holding virtual classes was difficult, especially for remote students with limited internet access. Mamarafa College principal, Pastor David Gerard, stated that the college was able to hold Zoom classes for its four pastoral students successfully. He also said that the college is experimenting with recording classes that can be viewed by YouTube or USB if regional and state borders are reinstated now mamarafa college now this is something we'll come back to the article in just a moment but david you were the principal of mamarafa college for a number of years that's correct yes okay can you tell us something about mamarafa college i mean how big is it how many students are there what are the uh why does it exist um, yeah, so Murrumruffle College, uh, obviously just out of
2: um, Perth. It's always been in Western Australia since mm-hmm. its beginning about twenty-four years ago, nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, how big is the place? Uh, most people, when they arrive at Murrumruffle, say it's a humble place. Okay, it's a non-threatening. I guess it's now set
0: in a country. Sort of setting as an old uh, primary school. Block. So that's, I that's actually cool. remember going there a number of years ago when uh, I was actually asked to teach a unit a number, of, a number of years back. And I found it to be one of the incredible blessings of my ministry because the classes weren't large, but the people came from all, o- all over the country. That's right. Yeah. So it's, a, so it's probably uh, small, but uh, with a big impact. Okay, okay, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Uh, tell me, David, um, Mamarappa, what does that actually mean? Because that's obviously an Aboriginal word, and it's, it's it'd be unfamiliar to most of our listeners. What does it mean?
2: Yes, it's partly Aboriginal. Um, when the college was first started, it was called Atsim Bible College. Okay, for a number of years, and then uh, they got working on a, a unique name for the the college, and so they united an Aboriginal word for God, which is Mamma and a Hebrew word for makes whole or heals rougher so mama rougher together god makes whole and that's been the experience of many students as they've come even for a short time that they've experienced healing and wholeness and a purpose in life
0: this this is actually really a unique type of ministry because i know so many times we sort of i've sort of been been able to minister to um, uh, Aboriginal people uh, where uh, have been doing the ministry. But the thing that really stood out to me about the Mamarafa Bible College was this was actually training, uh, Indigenous people to be able to do the ministry back to, um, other Aboriginal people. Is there, do I have that right?
2: That's correct. Yeah. So in the in the nineties, um, we realised that there's a huge ministry potential, um, and a lot of ministers ministering to Aboriginal people, but not many Aboriginal people being leaders and ministry leaders in their own in their own right. And so the first class that went through, I think nine of them became ministers in the Seventh Adventist Church around Australia. Wow. And since then, others have also joined them. There's many Bible workers that have gone out, and probably some of the largest impacts have been those that haven't been able to read and write but have, have uh, through uh, being taught through listening and so on that they've been able to teach their own communities in their own language as they've returned and they've been some of our biggest um, missionaries as it were uh, of teaching others about Jesus.
0: So what, So is it just um, theology and Bible-based courses or are there other, are there other courses as well? Yes, yeah, so there's two main streams. So there's obviously the Bible that
2: was where, how it was started, but also health. Now, uh, okay. health has been going since uh, the mid two thousands as a health course, uh, training health promotion workers in communities. Yeah. We have a wonderful um, uh, sort of resource there with psychology, um, uh, uh, new start, um, health, um, and so students have that basic lifestyle for themselves, as well as uh, ways to communicate that practically to the.
0: Families and communities. Fantastic. You know, David, I have actually been just so impressed with uh, seeing the ministry that um, graduates of Mamarafa have actually been involved in. Have you got any any stories of, you know, people who've actually made an impact? Because, you know, I'm conscious that we've actually got a good number of our listeners go right through Central Australia and we may well have graduates of Mamoraffa College listening to us right now. And these are incredible people. And to me, you know, hey, if ever there's a, an opportunity for you to be ministered to by someone from Mamarafa, I believe people would be richly blessed. But tell us... I suppose, the postgraduate experience of your students. Yeah, so
2: um, here in South Australia, we've got uh, a number of folk here in Adelaide that have been to Mamaratha. And uh, I was just talking to one a a little while ago this afternoon and um, very exciting. And and they have such a positive um, uh, recollection of Mamaratha and and are involved in weekly Bible studies with Eric and myself uh, here in Adelaide. But uh, across the state, Port Augusta, we have leaders in the church there that have been through Mamaratha uh, the head elder at the church at um, Port Augusta is a Mama Rafa graduate from the health course as well as the ministry. Uh, Wayla as well. There are some uh, Mama Rafa, uh, students. Um, all three APY lands, Armata, uh, Pippal Jarrah, um Fregon and Mimali. And uh, I think probably the key for South Australia is just over the border into, um, oh, I should mention, Cooper
0: and Udadatta as well have Mama
2: Rafa graduates yeah, who lead yeah, out their programs yeah. there.
0: So these people are actually moving into leadership roles amongst Indigenous people. That's right, yes just over the Christmas
2: holidays I had had a call from somebody in Fink which is just over the border yeah, and over yeah. their, their, their local uh, leader was away
0: on holidays and they were having their own church group uh, under a tree there in the wow community. wow and, I've uh, actually heard I've actually had the privilege of ministering at, at Fink I've actually only been there been there once but uh, it is a wonderful community of, uh, of people and of course there's a, uh, there's a small church there that they're actually able to to meet in I remember being there before the uh, the church was actually constructed uh, at that particular location, but I'm just so conscious of the uh, the power uh, that comes from some of these mamarafa graduates. You know, to me, th- th- this is really wonderful. Uh, tell us, uh, David, if perchance people um, want to go to, I mean, how do you? Get in touch with somebody. You know, if I wanted to go to Mamarafa, I mean, I have to be obviously uh, indigenous. Um, but how do I? How do I enrol? Do I, I know, go on the internet and look up Mamarrapha College? How do I do this? Yeah, you can do that. Um,
2: and on their website, there's a, a link to an application. Right. Uh, you can also contact uh, through Faith FM, I guess, and uh, Eric and myself. We can get you an application form.
0: And that would actually be an, be an excellent way of doing it and and Can I just uh, maybe pick up on that particular um, hint right now because if you would like more information on uh, going to Mamorafa and being trained in a health area uh this is uh these are small group classes i think when i was there there was probably no more than about uh, about 40 people in total in about half a dozen different uh, different classes That's and uh, i know the class i was teaching i think that was for ministry students i think we had about uh, uh four or five uh, people, but we had a fantastic time together, you know, because we just sit and chat, uh, chat together. Uh, we work through some Bible, uh, Bible teaching, and, uh, I, I, found it myself incredibly rewarding. I, I hope my students found it as rewarding as what I did. I'm sure, they did. Yeah, no, uh, but, um, look, if you would like, um, to have, uh, if you would like me to refer you, uh, to David or to Eric, um, and they can send you application forms, then just text us uh, here at our studio number. That, now, that number is 04888 808 11. 04888. 80811. Just uh, j- just request you would like uh, to have information about Mamurafa Bible College and we'll put you in contact with uh, David or with Eric. And I really appreciate what you've actually uh, shared there, David. It's been a real blessing. So that number again is 80811
1: And just one thing too with that, Gary, is that uh, if they need help to fill the forms and then Pastor, Garrett, uh, Pastor David and I are happy to sit down with them because there's also ab study forms where they can actually get, um, a, you know, the, the travel paid for plus a, a retainer like a, a um, ab study will pay that through the government for them. So, so it's paid for for them to fly there. So we are happy to sit down with them and, and help them through those forms.
0: And I know that I've got a good mate, Pastor Don Felberg. And uh, yeah. I mean, Don for many years has certainly done this and I know that his ministry, his greatly appreciate he is a fantastic guy, and uh, I really appreciate his ministry and I believe you will as well David and Eric both mm-hmm. know our mate uh, uh, don uh, Don felberg uh, but uh, so that uh, government money uh, is actually available for these for these courses as well but if you 'd like more information, just text us here at the studio and we 'll pass your request on to uh, to David uh, or to Eric and that number is o four triple eight. Eight oh eight eleven. That's uh, uh, that's that number. Uh, if you want that that information, but right now let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is Kathleen Carnilly, and the uh, title of the song is Micah uh, six eight.
3: For He has shown thee, O oh man, what is good and His right plan. Let this be our desire To do justly To love mercy
0: That was Kathleen Carnelli, micah 6-8. What a beautiful song that, uh, that really is. We've got a free gift, uh, for you today. And, uh, uh, that comes on behalf of what's the, called the Discovery Center. Uh, now the Discovery Center, uh, offers a number of short courses. We have a fantastic little course for you today. This one's called Kids Zone. Now look, this one is designed for for mums, dads and grandparents uh, to talk to their children or grandchildren about issues of faith. Now, this has got 12 lessons in this particular course. Now, look, if you would like to get hold of Kids zone then please uh, feel free to text us here at the studio. Uh, text number is 04888. Eight oh eight eleven. Now the key word for today is kids zone, and attach to that your name, your address, uh, and your telephone number, and we'll post out to you uh, these lessons. These are designed uh, for you to be able to to give to, or better still, to be able to share with uh, your children or your grandchildren on issues of faith. You know, this is one of the issues that uh, that many parents, many grandparents. Uh, struggle uh, to talk to their children about. What do I say when I'm talking about issues of faith? Uh, this gives uh, just a, a brief synopsis. Uh, this gives a number of subjects that you can deal with as you're talking to your young people about issues. Issues of faith. If you would like, uh, to be enrolled the Kids Zone, uh, course, now this is for your children or for your grandchildren, then, uh, please feel free to text your name, your address and your uh, telephone number to our Studio of uh, Faith M uh, text number. That number again is 0488880811. 04-888-808-11. You'll really love uh, this uh, particular series. Now, of course, uh, next week as well, I'm actually uh, con- starting a-, a short series for those of you who are here in Adelaide. For some time, I've been concerned about the state of our contemporary religious world. I believe that increasingly religion is morphing into a, a form that would be unrecognisable to biblical Christians of almost any previous generation. Uh, with this in mind, I've actually put together a short seminar series entitled The End Times – and the Gospels Climax. Uh, in this series, we're going to be looking at the scriptures and providing answers to some of the, the biggest religious questions of our times. We're going to be asking things like, uh, what are the big religious trends currently impacting the Christian world? And why is biblical religion facing the perfect storm? Now, this is an in-person uh, nine uh, nine meeting series that I'm going to be hosting personally. We commence this Saturday, March 13, uh, and we conclude on Saturday, March 20. Now, we're going to be holding this at the Prospect Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, the Prospect Seventh-day Adventist Church, the first meeting, occurs at 11 a.m. on Saturday, March 13, at Prospect Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is 5 to 17 Bolville Street here in Prospect. I believe uh, if you come along, you'll be richly blessed. This is a, a series that really does address a religion In the times in which we are, in the times in which we are are currently living. We'd love to have you come and join with us. Uh, You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Uh, Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we're also joined by Pastor David Fletcher and uh, David uh, ministers to the Aboriginal uh, and Torres Strait Islander people uh, throughout all of South Australia and it's fantastic to have uh, David with us today and we've invited him to stay with us because I'd really appreciate his input and his feedback on the subject that we're dealing with today. Uh, Now of course this week we're taking as our theme Christ and the moral law in the third millennium and today we're simply asking was the Old Testament all that legalistic Now, it's probably actually the part of the Bible that most contemporary Christians dislike the most. Well, let me ask you, David, if you were going to uh, encourage somebody to actually read a particular portion of the Bible, what what part, part of the Bible would you encourage them to read? Probably the Gospels. Okay um, the gospels. Yeah. Okay so the first four books of the uh, of the New Testament. Yeah. Okay and, and that's certainly the answer I probably would have would have expected. What parts of the Bible would you probably not encourage is there anywhere you would probably not encourage somebody to start?
2: maybe the book of judges old testament
0: old testament <laughs> yeah. okay old testament you know uh, for this year i, I know david i've uh, uh, i've actually just set as my objective one of the things i like to do is actually to read through the scriptures uh, every um every year uh, whenever i can i've certainly done this uh, over the past the past few years and i've just restarted um looking at the bible uh, once uh, once again and uh, uh, I'm I'm up to uh, numbers. I think I'm reading at the present time. Now, you know, Dave. One of the things that I'm really conscious of is this: is that there are some portions of the Old Testament that um, even I am conscious is probably not as exciting. As other portions, and I, I've just just been working my way faithfully through uh, Leviticus and Numbers, and uh, I have to admit, uh, those those portions probably aren't uh, at the top of everyone's reading list. And yet there's some really valuable material uh, that's actually in there. That's why I'm trying to actually read through it. But look, one of the things that um, that I'm really conscious of is that um, there are many who. When they're going to read the Bible, concentrate mainly certainly on the New Testament, as as you've certainly suggested. Uh, But they view the Old Testament as out of date, legalistic, uh, maybe even irrelevant to the contemporary church today. Eric, the question for today is is actually a really significant one. Uh, Was the Old Testament legalistic? Because this is certainly a view that many people hold about the Old Testament.
1: Well, the Old Testament certainly has a lot of laws in it. You know, a lot of rules and regulations. Tell me, Gary, when you were brought up at home, when you're a little kid, if you could remember back that far, um, do you, did you have a lot of rules and things you had to abide by at home? We
0: certainly, had, we certainly had some rules that we had to obey, and certainly uh, growing up in the 1960s and 70s, my, my father particularly uh, made sure that those rules were actually uh, followed. So, and,
1: and, Pastor, and Pastor David, you would have had the same? Did you like those rules? Not at the time, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> were they good for you? Uh, mostly were. Well, yes. Later on you realised yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. to understand how the people in the Old Testament felt, uh, you know, there were four different types of laws back there. Four different types. You Four different
0: had, types, okay. Yeah,
1: you had the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments we call them, as yeah. all of us as Christians know most about. And, of course, they were given by the finger of God written mm-hmm. on the stone tablets. They were kept in the Ark of the Covenant, which uh, was also called the Mercy Seat. But then you also had all these other laws which were quite a burden to them. They had civic laws which governed their daily life as a Jew. Um, these laws governed issues that were uh, unique to their customs and religion. And the Sanhedrin, which was a group of 71 men, actually sat in judgment of those laws. So okay. if you did something wrong according to, to this type of law, then you were judged by 71 men. No woman, 71 <laughs> men. <in these> days. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've also got the ceremonial law. Which was known as the Mosaic Law, the the ceremony law governed the sanctuary tra- uh, uh, temple and its services. So yeah, these were all yeah, to do with yeah. sacrifice, and uh, they were there. There was also the Rabbinic Law, which the rabbis put together. There were six hundred and thirteen laws that the rabbis actually put together as a commentary of the commandments and the other laws. Six hundred and thirteen. You know,
0: laws. Do, you know, Eric, this is actually really important because the thing I'm really conscious of is that it's very easy sometimes uh, when we're talking about law, mm-hmm. uh, certainly where the Bible is concerned, we tend to group them all together mm-hmm. as being a one corpus of law i suppose yep. whereas in fact as we look at the uh, the scriptures what you're saying here is that there were actually different subsections mm. uh of of law i mean some could be called the constitution if if you like yep. um then there were these civil civil laws then you've got ceremonial laws and mm. there were even health laws in there as well, well weren't there that's right
1: yep yeah. and there's also the the i got to get this right the Mishnah which was a, an oral tradition of commentary on the Messiah law and it introduced additional man-made rules that uh, the Pharisees were so concerned with keeping these additional commandments that they gave a great outward appearance of them and Jesus re, you know, was really angry about some of these laws for instance, a lot of them were things like you weren't allowed on Sabbath you weren't allowed to plough the earth you weren't allowed to dye the wool you okay. weren't allowed to go so many David,
0: let's now. just come to David David, where did these types of laws come from because what we're saying here is that uh, the Bible has certainly got uh, laws in it but there seems to be this um, uh, added list of things that uh, seems to have been generated as well. I mean, uh, do you have any idea? Where where did they actually come from? Uh, I think yeah, Eric's, Eric's mentioned there that Mishnah it was sort of as a community, particularly
2: religious leaders after the exile in Babylon began to developed more and more systems because they realised they'd made mistakes in the past. And rather than confessing their sins and and falling upon a merciful God, they decided to um, add additional rules so that they wouldn't make the same mistakes that they made in the past. In
0: other words, what you really had was you had rules on top of to, rules to protect the rules <laughs> that's right you know, that, that is something quite quite remarkable isn't it you know it's like you know today we put a fence around the uh, the swimming pool uh, but then um, you know mum says no i actually want a second you know fence around around the to protect the fence you know and, and this was one of the real challenges that certainly came into existence in Jesus day and so when we're talking of this thing called law, we actually have got to understand that whereas we tend to group them all together, certainly within scripture, there is actually these different categories.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's right. And, and and you're right. And in fact, it, it said that they, they tried to build a fence, what you've mentioned actually, around the Messiah law, so people wouldn't even come close to breaking the commandments. So these were extra additional uh, laws that were brought in, okay. uh, that the people really suffered with, and that's why Jesus came to break free, to give them. They were under such burden, weren't they? And now the th- question is, <clears throat> do these laws actually save us? You know, do law does law actually save us? I mean, you know, this is what we're looking at in the Old Testament. People don't like to read a lot of this stuff, and. I mean,
0: in the Old Testament, because this is an important question that you're actually asking there, Eric, and it's good to have David here because we can actually, you know, bounce these, you know, these deep, difficult, hard theological questions uh, (laughs) uh, actually off him. But David, how were people in the Old Testament, I mean, how were they saved? Because I suppose I've heard many people say that in the Old Testament days, people were saved by works of the law, but in the New Testament, they're saved by grace, as though there's been a transition. Is that, I mean, what would be your understanding?
2: Yeah, so it, um, yeah, certainly I've heard the same that uh, works versus grace, and there's some verses that seem to um, support that, that people used to support that, but. Uh, When I look at the sacrificial system that was instituted at uh, Moses even before then, um, I find that uh, there was a substitute that was required for the penalty of sin. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, in the New Testament, I find the same substitute, except it's not a lamb anymore. It's a a person, the person of Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in in a sense, both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, recognize that the law doesn't save you need you need a substitute you need so uh, in
0: other words what we actually have is in the Old Testament we've got people looking forward that's right to Jesus coming whereas in the New Testament we actually look back mm-hmm. by faith to mm-hmm. Jesus coming so yeah in the Old Testament they're looking forward
2: by faith to uh, someone they hadn't met or in in physical form yes but they expected that God would do something in the future to That by faith they're offering this lamb. To me, it seems crazy, and I'm sure that to them as well, they would think this lamb cannot take away my sin. It must represent something or someone. Yeah, and then in the New Testament, we look back and say, "Oh, that represents Jesus." And so the same faith of the Old Testament is the same faith that we. uh, we looked back they looked forward
0: Yeah,
1: and, yeah, and yeah. it's what it's talked about in Hebrews 11 isn't it yeah it?
0: look take us to Hebrews 11 because this is actually really important uh, Eric yeah. uh, dig into and, and folks can I say that if ever you're discouraged please go to Hebrews chapter 11 this is a powerful passage that says so much about our faith in the New Testament but connects it to faith in the Old Testament Eric mm. please open it up for us
1: yeah Hebrews eleven one is very important it says now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible so this is what you're talking about it's talking about believing in evidence that is sometimes you know you can't see it and there's a list here it goes on and gives a list by faith Uh, Abel bought a sacrifice to God that was the best of the best, while his brother Cain bought a lackluster sacrifice. So one had faith and believed God to be worthy, and the other really had a different view. And by faith, Enoch walked with God despite the wickedness of the world around him. So it's listing people from the Old Testament that had a strong faith.
0: And this, and this, I think, Eric, is something that I'm so conscious that is so important that we actually understand because we, uh, the the writer of Hebrews, who you know we believe is probably Paul, uh, is never actually named. But uh, the writer of Hebrews actually comes here and lists people who have got faith. And they all come from the Old Testament. Now, of course, he's much closer to the Jewish understanding in the uh, first century than what we are. But to me, the list of names is amazing. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Abraham, after the, after the flood. And this list just goes on. By faith, Sarah. We get some ladies mentioned here. All of these Died in faith, what we 're actually he- got here is of course, the Old Testament characters being commended for their walk of faith uh, by faith Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob, all these are listed in name by faith Joseph, uh, Joseph by faith, um, Moses, um, and then by faith, the walls of Jericho, you know you get this amazing list of Old Testament characters who the New Testament claimed. All were all walked by faith. Now, David, tell me, is, what does this say to us today in our religious experience? I mean, what is it saying to us? In that chapter, what stands out to me is verse six, With,
2: without faith. <laughs> without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think that's what the whole chapter is really highlighting, that all of these people, the necessary ingredient for them and for us is we need faith. Without faith, it is
1: impossible to please God. Yeah, it's interesting too, isn't it, David? That surpassed David, that um, faith um, requires living a life as if every promise of God is true, whether we see the evidence of that or not. Faith doesn't need to be seen to be believed. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what they felt when they li- when you're close to God. A life of faith starts in the heart but always shows itself through works because there are some texts in the Bible that says you've got to have faith and works together.
0: And that, of That's course, is the uh, James, and that was one of the big challenges that Martin Luther actually had with the book of Book of James, because he he struggled with this concept of you know walking by faith, but then doing something as well. You know, David, I mean, you're a, you're a theologian, you know, you've been the head of a college. Bring the two together for us. I mean, help us out on this one. I mean, how do you actually pull these two together?
2: I'll pass that back to you, Pastor Gary. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a faith that works, isn't it? That's uh, mm. that's what James is talking about, a faith that is active. Yeah, That's what we're talking about. And and each of these Bible characters, through their actions, uh, revealed whom they were trusting.
0: Do you think there's a, uh, such a thing as a genuine faith and a, um, a pretend faith? I mean, is, is it possible that, that, you know, that mm. that's part of the, the, this big picture? Sure, I, th- I think that's possible.
2: Um, Jesus talked about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees of his day. And uh, they certainly demonstrated through their actions on a certain level of faith, um, outward shows of religious observance and so on, that uh, were meaningless. They had the form of godliness but denied its power in their lives. And so that's certainly possible
0: yeah no i, I really I, I think that's actually a really good example uh, because it's actually a huge challenge for us today isn't it? You know uh, what is uh genuine faith and uh, you know I, I'm so conscious that there are uh, many uh, parts of the world where people uh claim to have faith but then become involved in in violence towards others and certainly, as far as the scriptures are concerned, that sort of faith is actually um, uh, is certainly not genuine faith uh faith is something
1: that actually works itself out in uh, good works towards others. And it's interesting too, Pastor Gary and and Pastor David, that James 2.14 is what you're talking about, where it says, What good is it, my brother and sister, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? And in the same chapter, 20 to 26, it says, You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So, what it's saying is that when you have faith, the love that you have through that faith leads you to action, hmm. and not the other way around. Okay. Not some. Well, this is a. Uh, I've known some folks who uh, have been brought into Christianity by a list of rules, not knowing Christ first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: you've got to have that right, don't you? And what's
0: the danger with that, David? Have you seen, sense the same thing? What's the danger with a person who it comes in to maybe the Christian faith just based on a whole pile of, you know, legal obedience? Is there a danger with that?
2: It becomes a burden, doesn't it? It's a, a terrible weight to, to have to bear to think, I've got to do all of this, I've got to do all of this. And, um, recognizing, and I guess, uh, it's by grace we're saved through faith. That's what we're reminded of in Ephesians. It's the, wor- the working in our life, the works of the Christian life are not done by the Christian themselves. It's God working in and through them according
0: to his good pleasure. And it, it's, it, it is fantastic, isn't it, when the Holy Spirit... Actually touches a person's heart. Uh, what you actually find, is, you know, a person—you know, you must be born again. A person is born again. They—they they express their uh, their belief in Christ by by faith. Uh, they receive Christ, and they receive at the same time this gift of the Holy Spirit. And to me, the thing that I've noticed in the lives of so many people is, when the Holy Spirit comes, they have this gift of of peace comes into their life. You know, it doesn't—not every problem immediately evaporates, but there is a peace that passes all understanding that impacts the heart and the mind of the individual. And to me, that's such a beautiful thing. Look, guys, let's come to some music. Uh, this is Michael uh, W. Smith and, uh, uh, the song is ancient, ancient words. And indeed, that's what we're talking about today. Michael W. Smith, "Ancient Words." What a beautiful song uh, that uh, that really is. Our free gift for you today, uh, just uh, just once more, is a course, uh, Kids Zone. Now, this is intended for uh, uh, mums and dads or grandparents who want to talk to their children or their grandchildren about issues of faith. This is a fantastic little uh, course. It's actually got 12 uh, lessons in Kids Zone. I will Absolutely love it. Uh, this is something that you can sit down and do with uh, your children or your grandchildren. If you'd like, uh, like us to send you the kids zone. Uh, course, uh, then please just send your, your name, your address and your telephone number, uh, to our studio, uh, text number. It's 04888-80811. That's 04888-80811. Uh, you'll really love, uh, this, uh, this particular course. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh day Church and we're joined today also by Pastor David Fletcher, and David is the Aboriginal Ministries Leader here for South Australia, and it's fantastic to have David with us. This week we're taking as our theme Christ and the Moral Law. In the third millennium, and today we ask, was the Old Testament legalistic? Now, David, let me throw a couple of questions at you to to start with before we come back to Eric. Now, look, the Old Testament, there are certainly so many who say that it was legalistic. What's your opinion? Are there any passages in the Old Testament that say, hey, this is not
2: legalistic? Oh, there are heaps, uh, lots and lots, and Jesus referred to many of them uh, in, in the Gospels. If you read through the Gospels, he, he quotes the Old Testament many times to to show the grace that's there. Uh, one verse that uh, came to mind as we were talking earlier is uh, in Isaiah twenty-six verse twelve. It says, o, "O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works." This
0: recognition in wow. the Old Testament
2: that everything that a Christian does is actually God for you
0: have done. All All our works. For us. That's powerful. And that comes from the Old Testament. The Old Testament.
2: Wow. Is there anything else there? (laughs) Just a few verses earlier, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stale on you because he trusts in you. We're talking about trust or faith earlier. Yeah, yeah. uh, We are kept in perfect peace, the peace that passes understanding, as the New Testament
0: calls it, right here in the Old Testament. Wow! Wow! I I love the story of Noah because if you go back into uh you know and this is pre-Israel even yeah. uh, you get but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know mm.
1: that's a beautiful picture, isn't that?
2: Grace, yeah, grace. Mm. Uh,
1: Anything else? Any other passages? Well, you know, when you look at it, um, Pastor David and uh, Pastor Gary, these uh, Hebrews 11, when it talks about all these people, you know, it's not easy to be living in those situations, you know, when you didn't see that, you know, even the rain, there was no rain there for Mm. Noah and And when they came to the Red Sea to see it part like that, you know, and and to live close to God, many people in the Old Testament lived that real, they were there. This was the whole thing. The Old Testament
0: is actually the story of God's people walking by faith. Mm. And that is the thing that so many people don't actually realize. You know, I think of the story of, you know, that's so well known out there of Daniel in the lion's den. Um, hey, I mean, is there faith in that particular story? Um, what do you think, David? Mm, sure is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, I, I mean, I think of three boys in the furnace. You know, there's faith in that particular story. You know, every story, as I, like, you know, I remember when I was just a little tacker, oh, that was a long time ago, um, being told about the story of uh, David and Goliath. But, you know, the thing that stands out to me there is this faith That's expressed in that particular story that to me continually in the Old Testament, you get stories of faith. People are living what we
1: would call a Christian life in the Old Testament by living by faith. Faith. It interested me that um, Paul was writing in Hebrews, a New Testament, about people from the Old Testament proving a point about faith. He was looking back and and reminding people of that. Uh, There's a wonderful verse in Galatians 5, 1. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, and that is the faith that brings us out of those burdens.
0: And and the thing which a lot of people don't actually realise is that when the New Testament talks against this thing called the law, what we're actually doing is speaking against not the constitution of Israel, because there's a subtle difference here that we have to pick up. The constitution of Israel is, of course, the moral law that was written by the finger of God and put in the ark itself. Mm -hmm. but rather he's talking against these uh, ceremonial laws where there had become a boundary on top of boundary and which had become a burden uh, in religious life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do do I have this right, David? I mean, Mm -hmm. you've you've done more study than what I have.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, look, uh, that's absolutely right. So uh, I guess it's, it's easier, it's actually easier to be a legalist because uh, I, I can I can try to do do more and, and be more and, and so on. It's easier to go that way. And in the Old Testament, it was easier to make more sacrifices. If you're a rich person, you could sacrifice all your sheep just to yeah, show how yeah. religious you were. But it's much harder to trust in an unseen, I- invisible God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, sacri- to go and offer your only son on an altar because you know that God has asked you to do that, as Abraham uh, demonstrated his faith. And so it's much harder to do that, to live humbly, uh, to walk humbly uh, before your God.
1: And, and Christ, if Christ found many people who were poor or destitute who actually had more faith than the religious people of the time. That's right, yeah. yeah and of course, they were closer to him.
0: Of course, that's what Micah, you know Micah six eight actually actually says, uh, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord does require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. you know to me when I read that, I think, wow, this is a this is a New Testament picture, but it's in the Old Testament.
1: yeah, there's no difference between the faith and the new and the faith of the old, as you said. They were looking forward and those in the new were looking back and you've it has got to have faith and you've got to be close. And that faith comes to us through experience, but through also, you know, it results from the things that take us where God takes us out into the world to live by faith. And that's yeah. what was happening back then.
0: Yeah, no, that's Beautiful. that's uh, that's incredibly, incredibly powerful. Look, folks, I'm really conscious that our time is starting to evaporate uh, from us uh, from us today. Uh what has our day said to us today? I think it's so important that it says that our God actually calls us to walk by faith. Mm. I just pray that uh, that indeed is something that will touch your heart. Please allow me right now to pray for you. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to say thank you uh, for the gift of your love. Lord, I want to say thank you uh, that indeed you've given us the scriptures. Lord, thank you that you've saved people in the Old Testament in exactly the same way as you've saved them in the New Testament. Lord, that all along there's been a call on your people to walk by faith. Lord, I'm so conscious there may be some people here today who are struggling, who are listening to us, who perhaps are are struggling with the issue of health. Maybe someone struggling with relationships. Um, Maybe there uh, might be some person who is in financial difficulty. Lord, I just pray for that individual right now. Lord, I pray that you might answer their prayer, that they might be able to walk with you just a little longer by faith, uh, That in, and that you might also reveal yourself to that person just as they've raised their hand. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that indeed uh, your their lives uh, will experience what a walk of faith and the rewards of faith it's really like. Lord, we ask, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, uh, thank you so much for, for being with us today. It does look like our time's up. Thank you so much for joining Pastor, Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare and Pastor David Fletcher on Drive Time, Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I share with Pastor David Butcher and we ask, how did Christ regard the Old Testament law? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.
4: We will keep the commandments of God. Hey